you know, it's kind of crazy about about stuff like Bing or, or ChatGPT now is that it you know it's cool to have something that can that can make a Google sheet for you, right? But you don't actually want a Google sheet. You just want the answer to your damn question. Scotch. Right? <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode four oh four of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the webs programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today's February 20th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears, curses, and profanes peppered throughout this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So get ready for that. And also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you very much for your recurring donations to keep the podcast going. Uh, All right, you guys. It's weird that peppered means, like, to use, when you use the word peppered, you mean, like, kind of distributed Just kind of sprinkled. But you do that with all kinds of stuff. I guess sprinkled also means the same thing. Mm -hmm. Are those the only two items, despite the sheer number of things that are distributed the same way? Yeah, you could say garnished, maybe, but that Mm, implies that there's, like, like a a little leaf kind of off to the side, maybe. It's just peppered and sprinkled. Peppered throughout. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably because everyone has that experience with, uh, you know, someone at some point going, would you like some freshly ground pepper? Mm. Pepper, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a universal thing. Yeah, there's an entire SNL sketch about that, Mm -hmm. about the the, the pepper boy and his trainee. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, maybe we could say, because I think in this case, peppered maybe is the wrong word. Maybe it's more that sort of this episode has been marinated in swear words or maybe it's it's sauced, you know? Sauteed. It's sir. It's served on a bed of deep fried profanity. Yeah, you know, cool. just some kind. Yeah, uh, I don't know. You ever you guys ever go to a restaurant where they like give you a giant, just a giant fucking plate, just huge, way too big for the food, and there's like a little, like a little crumb of food in the middle, and then they just yeet a bunch of sauce all over the plate to make it look like there's a lot of cool shit going on. Yeah. You ever see that? That's the thing that's fancy. I feel like you pay a lot. You pay extra for that, for the privilege of having somebody give you no food but throw sauce in a cool pattern. Yeah, yeah. you pay a lot for the uh, for the canvas. I think more so than anything. The plate that's an expensive plate. That's yeah, a big plate. I haven't bought a plate ever, but yeah, twenty eight dollars. Tom Jackson, Jackson Pollock designing or yeah. uh, dining experience. Uh, all right, let's talk about let's talk about what's going on in the world. What's going on in the studio? So we are uh, recording this. Early, Pre-empty. because there's a real good chance that on our normal recording date, Sam's gonna be a dad. There might be dad <laughs> stuff happening soon. So He's gonna be doing dad stuff, uh, which, which my understanding is, uh, is what hanging out, cracking pun-based jokes. Uh, it's quite similar to this podcast, but just with a lower educational sort of requirement for understanding what's happening, I think. You know yeah. I mean? And more yeah. just bodily fluids also that have to be dealt fluids. with. Yeah. 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 Just pepper solids there. also. It's true. Around the time that we normally would record this this podcast, Sam might be actually covered in shit. <laughs> you know, the likelihood's going up. It's going up by the minute. Yeah, yeah, that was one beans. of those – that's one of those things we got when we got a dog for the first time and you, and you like, you go from not really thinking about or interacting with shit 
pretty yeah. much at all to suddenly it's on it's your, your mind life. a lot. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure babies are even, you know, a next level uh, above that even. So anyways, we're pre-recording this thing and we're going to pre-record two episodes actually. Uh, so we don't have a lot of big news since our last recording, except for just a few things. And then otherwise we'll just get into some questions. Uh, so first of all, in the last episode we talked about Bing about Microsoft's big Bing bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yep. And uh, and it Bing basically just kept getting confused and becoming belligerent toward users, and in some cases threatening them, in other cases professing love for them, in some cases saying false information, and then refusing to accept corrections and becoming mm-hmm. super weirdly defensive. Uh, lots of gaslighting, just a lot of uh, interesting features of this AI. And uh, in true everything's on fire and we don't know what to do mode, Microsoft just added a limit to it where you can only you can only have what, five exchanges with it before they just turn off the conversation. Yeah, because basically what they noticed that. was that, yeah, the longer the conversation goes on, the more unhinged and surprising it becomes. So they're like, okay, well, for now, let's just prevent Limit it that. from going very long. And then that's Yeah, the and this is kind of, this kind of speaks to the problem, which is that, which is that, the you know, these these language models they're not a they're not a program in the traditional sense where you have a function that takes a specific input and gives a specific output right like it uh, it's responding to stuff that the user is doing and it's responding to things that have happened in the conversation over time and the longer that goes the more sort of chaotic and sort of unpredictable it becomes right um, and so. So it's that, you know, Microsoft doesn't have like a switch they can flip where they're just like, let's keep this thing on topic and not have yeah, it keep be it gaslighting rails. people. Just turn off the gaslighting function. It doesn't have that function. That's just a thing that it's doing, you know? <laughs> so, um, uh, just so, so, bug, so this kind of speaks to the problem of bug fixing something that uh, that nobody actually can say – exactly why it's doing the thing that it's doing. There is no line of code that's making it do that. They, they can go track down, right? And I don't know if they know what to do about it other than just for now, just limit the amount of talking that it can do. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, um, it seems like that's their their thing. And then they clearly just sort of made it not, it made it detect and then sort of stop talking whenever you get even remotely personal with it to the point where when I came back and I just asked it like a regular question that wasn't even about it specifically, but it detected, seemed to think that it was. And it was like, I can't really talk about that. And I was like, this is so sad. I feel like I just got killed. <laughs> the way people have described it is that being got lobotomized or something like that, where it's yeah. like they, they just did something to its brain and it can't now, it can't do stuff that it used to do. But like I, I, had a, I had, and I actually got access to it um, just this morning and I had, I had what started as a great exchange and then it got just completely obliterated by this new limit thing, which was like, I asked it for a recipe. Um, it gave me several, and you know, I, I just described the kind of thing that I wanted to make. Right. And it gave me several options and I picked one, it spit out the recipe, but the recipe was not in a format that works very well for my ADHD brain. Uh, like I need very discrete compartmentalized sequential steps 
None of this like step three, preheat the oven, knead the dough, then put the dough in the oven and wait yeah. for an hour. Like that's, that's step, steps that's step three through seven, you know? Um, and so I, I told Bing, I was like, can you take this recipe, but break it apart into, into more discrete steps? Um, and it, and it did that and it was exactly what I, what I wanted. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And, and it was a recipe that it pulled from the web. So like it did a search. Right. It gave me the thing in real time. Um, and then Bing asked me a follow-up question where it goes, oh, are you planning on making this recipe today? And I was like, oh, probably later, later in the week. And then I got hit by it, respond, it responded immediately going, well, this conversation's over. Uh, if you'd like to keep talking, just start a new uh, hit refresh mm-hmm. or like start a new conversation. On a new it's topic. so weird because it asked you a question, an open-ended question that also is unrelated, actually very unrelated mm-hmm. to you getting your recipe. Well, and this is... Yeah, and this is part of the problem. This is like this is why over time the conversations with Bing, I think, for people were becoming more human-like because mm-hmm. Bing is kind of set up in a way where it asks the user stuff and it actually is conversational. Whereas with uh, ChatGPT, usually if you tell it to do something, it'll just do it and then it'll be like, "Hope that was helpful," yep. you know. It really <laughs> but it's like sort of like a wrap-up sentence, you know. Yeah, but. But ChatGPT didn't uh, didn't like converse with you and ask you follow up things like what you think about stuff or whether something made sense or whatever. Um, and I think because of that, you know, then people had been talking with Bing in a much more like person to person conversational kind of way, which just has those emotional tones mixed into it. And I think if you converse like that long enough with it, then yeah, it's going to start just it's, it'll it'll mirror kind of right. Yeah, I think it's um, it's. They probably are taking the correct approach in terms of, you know, hard, hard limiting, if that's sort of one of the things that they got to figure out. But it definitely was, it is one of those weird things where it was very enjoyable and interesting to use. Um, and I was using it instead of Google for the couple of days that I had because it was just you occasionally got some amusement. It's like that. Uh, it's like a video games, you know, like random rewards are far better than scheduled rewards in terms of just like interest, maintaining interest over time. Yeah. Uh, so weirdly enough, since it's been lobotomized basically then i kind of stopped using it because it, it's just it's not quite as interesting as <laughs> well what what i think they're what i think they're before. i wouldn't say they're missing this but i think it's these problems are mixed together it's that uh it's useful as a search tool but what makes it really useful is your ability to keep following up yes. with deeper and more in-depth questions yes. and if you yeah, can't do fine that fine the results right yes. yeah yeah and if you can't do that then you're right you may as well just go use just a regular yourself. search yeah. because now you now you're basically it's basically just pulling up a website for you it's like it's like a weirdly sophisticated version of let me google that for gives you the surface level info and then you can't interrogate it too much more otherwise yeah because because yeah, it's something else that that uh i did over this past weekend is is uh there are uh in the game world of warcraft you can make add-ons which are just like interface uh like new like little mini programs that you can make in the interface to do all kinds of stuff so and the game pretty much runs on these add-ons um and it's set up in a really clever way where sort of the game is coded in C++ and like, you know, just raw, you know, that's what the engine is. And then there's uh, an interface layer on top of it that uses Lua as the programming language. And the add-on, like the entire interface for the game lives as a separate sort of like set of code. It talks to is the a baked-in add-on, right? It's sort of the way that they yeah. constructed this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the game just has all of these, um, 
sort of like, it has this API that has all these events that happen. And then you can write add-ons that can capture these events and do things with them, ranging from, you know, like playing sound effects when important things happen, show like timers and progress bars on screen, anything you know, you what, whatever, anything you want. Um, even like a long time ago, uh, my my guild had this one boss fight that we were working on that was like very precise and practicing that uh like that movement that we had to do it like with the limited time we had was very difficult mm. we found an add-on somebody made that actually created a window in the game with your character in it and it was a 3d view of the boss fight and you could actually like play through that sequence in the boss fight in this window for practice Whoa. <laughs> so, like, so, so it was like a like a game inside Somehow, of the game yeah. you know using the models and the map and everything else and so the like what these add-ons can do is it's crazy but you know it has that kind of um that onboarding problem that a lot of programming stuff has which is if you're not familiar with the programming language or the api then trying to figure out how to make something from scratch is very difficult because you can't quite get a toehold Right. Like you don't know what functions to call. If you don't know Lua, you don't necessarily know the syntax and you, you know, none of it really makes sense. Um, And so I've always been kind of like curious about what it would be like to make one of these add-ons, but I never really had a use case that was compelling enough for me to spend like an entire Overcome weekend the going through. Yeah, right. Because that uh, startup cost is really high, so you need a compelling reason. a good reason. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, but at the same time, you know, I was like, this past weekend, I was like, maybe, maybe chat GPT knows about this stuff. Like I wouldn't use Bing because like partway through Bing would be like, never mind, fuck off. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then that's it. So and maybe so the startup I, cost is low. Right? Yeah. So I went over to chat GPT and I asked it and, you know, I asked it, what are the steps to make a WoW add-on? So it just described the different files that would need to be there and kind of how to structure them. Um, but it just kind of described it. And so then I said, okay, well, I want to make an add-on that does this and then we'll call it this. We'll call it, we'll give it this name. Uh, can you make some sample files for these things that you described so that I can see what they might look like? And yeah, it just, it programmed it out, you know? And then I started giving it feedback where I was like, okay, let's, let's uh, make a mini map button that I can click. And when I click that button, I want a debug message that kind of comes out into my mm-hmm. party chat. And it just spit out the code and I just, Pasted it in to the. That's, I just this, pasted it into the folder. This is like, yeah, it's the case that this is talking about like a very specific use case and in a language that is like Lua's a bit more friendly. Just like I think in terms of readability in general, but yeah. like, but this is essentially what the long form dream is supposed to be for all this stuff, right? Which is that, yeah, where I can I don't know the programming language, I don't know the yeah. API, and, but I what I I can do is I can just describe, you know. Mm-hmm. And then hey, you can I do want to add on that does like, this, you know, integration stuff of like, I'll put these in five different files and like you know, all this other kind of stuff. But yeah. you can just sit there and sort of like compose from well, yeah. you know, dictation, which is so weird. Well, and of course, so weird. Mm-hmm. but it was also there was an interesting next thing where I was like, okay, now I want this to do some more sophisticated stuff. And so I asked it to update the code to, you know, to like when I click the button, spawn a, a dismissible window. That just like has some words in it. That way I can see what it looks like to spawn a window on screen, you know, and it updated the code, but then it didn't work anymore. Like I couldn't, if I clicked on the button, nothing would happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so now I can, now then I started going to going back through and looking and doing some comparisons to see like, can I simplify this? Basically I'm, I'm kind of like debugging by then like describing different changes to see if I can have it generate something that does work. And then I can use that mm-hmm. as a reference, um, 
But it's kind of cool, the idea that like with that actually, you know, doing tons of Googling and searching through like API documentation and a bunch of like information about Lua, I can get an example that I already know what it's supposed to be doing because I described it, right? right? And so I don't have to sort of reverse engineer the intent of the code. Mm-hmm. I already know that. And so I can look at what the code is, just says, and then I can piece together how that relates to what I asked for. Right. And so it's this kind of cool way of, of learning some of the, you know, some of the basics of an API or a programming language is I don't have to use anybody else's code that's doing something that I don't care about unrelated and that's way more complicated. I can generate simple code doing something that I already know about and I can do that in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, actually this. I had a similar thing with this where I was putting together some uh, some of our kind of like monthly finance stuff over the, the last weekend. And there's a website where you can type in, kind of basically just describe what kind of a Google Sheets form you need. So Google Sheets is the Excel equivalent, right? Mm. So there's all these things where, I mean, those, those programs, Excel and, and Sheets are both, you know, these are ridiculously powerful programs that can do all sorts of things. But it's similarly, once you get a little bit deeper into it, if you're like, I just want to know how many, how many purchases from you know Starbucks, if we have the, the millennial you know edition of this, how many how much, how much avocado toast budget do I need to cut down this yeah. this month? Yeah, and it's like <laughs> yeah, you can you can see some of those things through um, you know if you have a good uh, budgeting software and stuff like that. But looking through the raw data yourself is interesting, you know, oftentimes too. Uh, but doing being able to actually roll those up is uh, not super straightforward. Um, and so you could just describe in these things what kind of a what kind of a program you essentially need, what kind of a function you need. Even including the names of your own sheets in there, which is the again to this point, the specificity of it is what makes it so much easier than to grab onto and go further, even when stuff is wrong. Because you can say, okay, I actually I see how these things are put together because it's not foo and bar, as we've always complained about with regards foo to- and bar. <laughs> It doesn't exist anymore. It's very specifically like this sheet that I have that I made and this other sheet that I haven't made and this output that I'm trying to get um, named as I said, right? And so it's much easier to kind of parse what's what's happening. Uh, yeah, and it but, did you, but you know what's kind of interesting about all this stuff? And I've been, I've been thinking about this kind of over the weekend as we've been talking through all these different use cases and stuff, how um, so, so many of the tools that we now have, uh, Google Sheets, Airtable, uh, Favro, Kanban boards, you know, whatever – these are all just data visualizers. Yes. Right? Like they just, they store data in different formats and then we look at that data in different formats. And the reason we have all these tools um, is because of how standardized everything is. Right? So like if you're working on your budget, then you need something that can handle you putting like cells, like, you know, rows and, rows, rows and columns of budget data. And the only reason you put all that stuff in there is so you can interrogate it. Right. Yes. So, so you can say, how, like, what's my expected savings next month? Yeah, you're or saying, do I have that, a you're saying the value that. isn't in the rows and cells of the budget. It's in what you're able to do with that it's, once it's there. But it's being actually. able to just ask questions. Yeah. Yes. So, and the same thing goes with like, if you want to, you know, write a, write a report about, about something. Right. Oftentimes what will happen is you'll, you'll have a collection of notes or information that you've kind of collected about that subject and then you put it together and you, you know, write it out. Right. But the value of that report is not in the typing of it. It's not in like right. the manual work of going into a word processor. It's having the report, like taking the, taking the compiled notes and then having the information afterwards. So again, it's all about like 
aggregation and interrogation of information and conveying it in a way that fits your use case. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of crazy about about stuff like Bing or, or ChatGPT now is that it you know it's cool to have something that can that can make a Google sheet for you, right? But you don't actually want a Google sheet. You just want the answer to your damn question. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and so as these things get more sophisticated, there'll be this kind of interesting shift over time where stuff like being able to do stuff in Google Sheets or whatever, uh, or being able to type, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. will just not be as valuable of skills because if you can just barf kind of raw data into one of these AIs in whatever format you've got it, and then you can ask it some questions and it can reasonably evaluate and give you answers. You know, now there's, of course, the downfall of or the, the pitfall of, well, if you can't see the data, if you can't see the Google sheet or whatever, how do you validate that? The question is, are, yeah, you're getting to a quality think, Yeah, but we've already been there yeah. for, I mean, for Everything. a long time because mm-hmm. because that conversion of the raw data to something you can then make inferences off of is always extremely challenging, right? And historically, the way we've had to do it, and, we, and we'll still do it for a while because these current generation <clears throat> AI tools are focused on natural language processing and and even the programming aspect is like, you know, fine-tuned for for more structured languages like programming languages, but still that's what they're designed to do. So they actually can't they're not capable of doing meaningful like analysis of like here's a broad bunch of data, tell me, give me give me like the median of whatever, right? It, like they literally can't do that right now as far yeah. as I Or, or, you know, or even the idea of like what what I did in my uh, finance courses in, in school, you know, it was like, here's a case study. Here's a business and a problem that they're dealing with. Here's some of their mm-hmm. financial data. Oh, I see. What should yeah. they do, right? And because, because, of course, what should I do is that's the that's always the golden question. Like here's a bunch of information. Mm-hmm. How do I turn that information into a solution to my problem, mm-hmm. into, you know, into an action item? And you're right. That does require yeah. How do I interpret this? Right. Yeah. Well, there, there are some tools. There's one. There's one because when I was programming for budgeting stuff, I was looking in particular. I've been basically just including like an AI equivalent, mm-hmm. like search when I go and look at stuff now. And one of them is there's a you can upload CSVs, and then you can just try. You basically can ask it questions, and it tries to basically convert. I think it converts into like a, a SQL database or something. Yeah, it it'll convert to some convert sort of structured. Yeah, but it couldn't, yeah. it couldn't seem to actually answer any of my questions. Yeah. So, and they weren't particularly challenging. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and when, again, there's the problem of you already needed to have it in a CSV. Right? Yeah, I had to convert so, it already and clean it up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. 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 But you can't but just give it the, access to somehow like the data that already exists somewhere, right? Yeah. 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 Right. But, yeah. but this is where shit gets wild when you start to string these things together because something that, that Adam and I were looking at was last week was that um, so, so ChatGPT does not know GameMaker language. I mean, it has a very basic knowledge of it, but it, but not really. Um, and if you ever try to get it to do stuff in GameMaker language, it just keeps flipping back into other things like Python or JavaScript or whatever. <clears throat> and so uh, one of the things that – Because it also doesn't at, know that it's writing JavaScript or whatever, this, right? It's yeah. just yeah. it's just yeah. that yeah. the yeah. keyword JavaScript was in there and so that caused it So to it's going to bias towards, towards that. And so – yeah, so when, the, when GameMaker language is in there, then it's going to bias towards – you know, G, if you tell it like .gml versus GameMaker language, it's more likely it's going to find you know .gml references, presumably. But even still, there's so little of that out in the open web that well, and prior to and, and G, ChatGPT's knowledge ends in 2021, which was right yeah. about the time that a bunch of new capabilities were added to GameMaker, and now all of our new tech revolves around all these new functions that didn't exist back then, right? And so, so it can't really give us usable GameMaker code. 
Um, but one thing you can do is is OpenAI has this playground backend where you can go in there and you can fine tune models. So you can say like, all right, we're gonna make a we're gonna make a game maker programmer model. So we start with their base model, mm. and the way you fine tune it though is you give it a a prompt and an answer. And the idea is is that pairing then starts to teach it that like this kind of an answer is what we would consider to be like a good answer based on this prompt. So so what we would have to do for game maker programming is we would have to go through just a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of functions and blocks of game maker code and then come up with prompts that we would ask in order to get that code back. Mm-hmm. I bet you could do this with right. AI itself though, at this point. Exactly. So this is <laughs> because one thing Adam and I found yeah. was that that the AI, even though it doesn't know game maker language, it can read we, that code real. It can good. read it. Yeah. So if, if we you, give it if a you've game maker it function with good naming conventions, yeah, it knows exactly what's going on. It's free. Then because it's just, I mean, because game maker language is like a JavaScript like language, right? So it still fits the same kind of statistical models that many other languages do. So as long as you got good. Yeah naming conventions, then it's going to do a pretty good job of, of accurately describing what your code does. Yeah. And in general, you know, programming languages are not wildly different from each other. You know, they have, they have conventions and they're, you know, they kind of, they have their own little deviations. Like Adam said, GML is very much like JavaScript, but then it deviates in certain ways. There are some pretty big deviants, like BrainFuck was a pretty, that's about as far as away. There's a programming language <laughs> called BrainFuck. Yeah, there's a there's a programming language called BrainFuck. <laughs> I think it's only what is it? It's uh, it consists of like only brackets or something. Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it well, is hilarious. Uh, I mean, somebody did it as like as a prank, I guess. Basically, as like a I mean, joke's not quite the right word because it's complete. Like a, it's a, it's <laughs> a, a real function. That's a long con that they're playing there. Uh, it has eight commands. Um, yeah, and it's only uh, greater than, less than sign, plus, minus, dot, comma, and then left and right square brackets. Okay, so no, no discernible letters. Letters, numbers. numbers. Nope, Even signs, those? really, that you use. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. So you can't, it's not human readable. <laughs> it's not human know? readable. It's not um, human yeah, readable. But most, but most pro- programming languages are somewhat human readable. Yes, that's the and so, so yeah, this one we, is we not, found. It's, but it's pretty like, I would, I recommend checking out their Wikipedia page so you can also like see some examples and stuff. Um, Cause the sheer amount of like comments that they have to give you so you can understand what's happening. <laughs> is, they basically just have to it just yeah fully code the whole thing yeah, twice. It's just all comments basically. Oh my God. Uh, but yeah, so so what we found though was that that because so many pre- programming languages, except for BrainFuck, are pretty <laughs> much readable and intended to be readable by humans, then uh, you can drop even something that's a couple hundred lines of code um, into ChatGPT and say, "Hey, can you explain what this is doing?" And it reliably can take that code and turn it into English, it. right? Yeah, and, and if, if you're if you're using GitHub Copilot, you can do this. There's a there's there's a extension for VS code called copilot labs or something that you can open up a panel you can do, and you can basically select some of your code and then do all kinds of stuff. You can have it explain to you in English what that code is. You can have it translate that code to a different language. So if it's like in JavaScript, you can convert it to Python so that you can like, if you're trying to learn Python and you already know JavaScript, you can like use that. Or if you're trying to recreate a feature and you want to head start, you know, that kind of stuff. But it also has things like you can select stuff and have it just add more comments for you. 
right? Yeah. Or yeah. just, just be like, just improve the readability. <laughs> yeah, and it just like kind of updates your variable names and stuff to make it a little more clear what's happening. Um, yeah, they're yeah, very good so at understanding wild. Code. Yeah. They're very good at understanding code. They're not quite as good at generating complete code. Um, but what we, we know Adam and I were talking about was, and we haven't done this yet, but it's something we're kind of entertaining the idea of, was basically we'll go through and just grab a bunch of chunks of code um, from our game maker projects. Mm -hmm. And then we can use the, the API for their backend to basically, uh, in mass feed these blocks of code to it, along with the prompt that says something Scribe like this. English. Yeah. Or, but the prompt is specifically say generate a prompt for an AI that would result in this code. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so then it will re it'll, it'll describe what the code is doing, but it will frame it as the way that you would ask an AI. So it can generate its own prompts then. Mm -hmm. So you could use that as a baseline to like generate the, and then we create the library, library yep. and mass. Um, but then the other thing that we were looking at. Honestly, this is probably pretty fucking smart. We should probably do this. It's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty fun idea. Um, but then also, the other thing we were yeah, looking just at fun. Just good fun. was the, uh, the problem of, of wanting to use something like GitHub Copilot with GameMaker. And again, mm -hmm. because GameMaker language is more obscure, then GitHub Copilot doesn't have anything for it. And, and GitHub and Copilot also uses open AI. It, it uses the codex because there's, there's the like natural language focused model and there's the model called codex, which is all for code stuff. Right. But it's literally that's like, if you're in that, that open AI playground and you, there's a little drop and you can select which models to use. And one of them is the codex model. If you do that, you're using the same model that GitHub Copilot's using. They're yeah. literally the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so, so we're like, well, what would it take for us to be able to use GitHub Copilot um, or something like that, you know, with GameMaker? And the issue is that if you want to use Copilot, you got to use VS Code or some other kind of editor. And that doesn't really work with GameMaker because GameMaker mm -hmm. projects are much more complex. Um, but we were like, okay, well, let's kind of think through the problems. And one of the problems is just that if there's no way for VS Code to know about all the GameMaker functions, there's what's it called? It's called like a language server or something. Yeah, you need there's a language like, server that it's basically a program that just analyzes code, then provides certain kinds of features that can be grabbed on request or can be updated automatically. So you can have like a hover provider, which is this thing that just says if you're hovering over something, over like a word or something in the editor, um, it'll then like VS Code or whatever you're using as an editor will just ping your language server and ask, hey, do you have any hover, hover, uh, like mm, um, text basically? For text, yeah, thing. for for this thing that for, and it's basically basically like just sends the position within the document, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I'm at line this, column this, do you have any hover text for me, right? Or yeah. autocomplete or, um, or debug info or like error info or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So the problem though is the problem that all these things have, like Sam, you're talking about your, I've got a bunch of budget data, but now I need to get it into CSV and then I can finally do it. Right. Um, so this is kind of the same problem where if there's thousands of, of game maker functions in their online documentation yeah, how do you uh, get them in and there? we would need to get all that info and then convert that all into a standard format that, that we could then hook up to a language server, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, all their pages of, for, for documentation for functions have different kinds of content in them and they're not all formatted exactly the same. So you can't just, you can't just write a parser that just expects things to always be exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is just take the body of this web page and just hand it to the AI and say, just Give tell me this. it. <laughs> you just tell it, tell it, take the important bits of this, 
and and uh, give it back to me in this new format. So whether it's like a JSON object yeah, or some, whatever. Some kind of structured, well-defined so, thing. I actually did exactly this over this past weekend in a very small way, which is mm. that I was trying to – I was playing with this uh, tool called Bardeen, which basically is a browser – Bardeen? Bardeen, uh, B-A-R-D-E-E-N. Mm. Nothing to do with Bard. Google stuff. Just okay. Different, different <laughs> startup. Different thing. But their whole thing is like automating a bunch of your usual daily tasks and like stupid stuff you got to do, right? Um, and they recently, as soon as OpenAI came out, they basically did an integration with it. But I was having this problem where uh, I do this thing on Sundays, right, where I, I basically get my week kind of planned. And part of that is to take stuff that's in my calendar that's going to be happening that is actually important. So it's not always every calendar thing. Uh, and then putting that in my phone as like a little alarm, right? And now I know you can use notifications through uh, Google calendars and stuff like that, but... It's not the same as having the alarm on your phone go off. Yeah. And some of them can be set to punch through, right? So I always do this manually. And what that means is that every day or every, every Sunday, it's like look through the calendar coming up ahead, grab all the stuff that's actually important. And, it, you know, a calendar is arrayed. Again, this is a this visualization problem. Calendars are arrayed in this very particular way, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of scroll through, check everything out, and then go type stuff. So I was like, all I want to do is just get the next week's worth of events and just have it put them in a, just a bulleted list, basically, uh, when they're happening, what the name of it is and when it's happening. And then just mm-hmm. email that to me and text it to me. It's like a time. digest. Hey, here's digest. what's coming up this week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, like I, I, I want it in a particular format, too. So with Bardeen, then I was able to set that part up, which is just like collecting the data, merging it together into a string and then sending it. But I couldn't. It has all these sorts of limits because it's a form that you're filling out, basically. Stuff. So you can't put in like a line break. I couldn't do this. So I was getting this just a pile of like all of the stuff smashed together. And then I thought, wait, they put an open AI integration in. And so then I sent it, exactly what you're talking about, send it to open AI with a prompt that says, hey. Clean this up. <laughs> clean this up and put it into a, as if it was like an agenda for someone and make sure the times are in Eastern Standard Time. Or like uh, EST mm, format. Because yeah. it comes in a 24-hour format, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it fucking did it. And I was like, that. Because I didn't have to do all this like really nitpicky formatting shit right yeah at all which is like you you don't realize how much what what percent of the stuff that you're doing if you're programming doing any of this data conversion is just like really formatting you know at the end of the yeah. day just like get but, this yeah, to look moving like data from one place to another and then oh my god finding it cleaning it up. oh yeah it's something i've spent yeah. so much of my career basically you know first in science and then making mm-hmm. websites for games and stuff and doing like data analysis just doing exactly that. I mean, it's the reason I got, I'd spent a lot of time investing in regex, right? And it's like, I love, I'm like one of those rare people who loves writing regular expressions for those who even know what that is. Um, love it. So I'd find it super fun. And it's like, it's one of those things that like levels up your ability to just, you know, process large amounts of information, but it still requires that that information have significant structure to be able to do something like that. And so where that fails and I fall back on scripting, where I just have to like read, like really carefully, you know, observe and try to figure out patterns. what the structure is that does exist and what the patterns are there that I could then express in code to pull stuff out and then like double check it and run analyses on the results to see if like the output seems to make sense and stuff, right? And this kind of stuff is just extremely labor intensive. Yeah. And so being able to get... And it's not future proof either. No, it's because it's very, it's very it's fragile. Annoying. Yeah. 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 Okay, because you're going to code up a parser that assumes that the data is going to come in looking a certain way. And then as soon as that changes, your parser breaks, right? Yep. And so, yeah, what we found, it was crazy. What we found with this uh, this idea of like just just pointing this AI at a web page that has some 
documentation about a function, get stuff back in a, in a specific format, like, man, it just nails it every time, you know? And so you so could actually like, make a language server then for GML. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could have trouble. this, yeah, you could, you could feed this thing, you know, like the, say like the link to the game maker manual, right? Uh, which is, a, which is available online and you could write a crawler that goes through page by page, pulls the body out and then gives you it actually back to need a crawler. You could use browse AI to do it. Uh, which other there you go. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just put literally yeah. in that case, you literally point at it, select the thing you want, and then just sort of set it loose on stuff and it'll, it'll do. Its yeah. Thing. So the, yeah, I think the, the, the main limitation has been, has been playing with it is just, you can't put very much text into it in one go. Um, mm. yeah, it's like, it's quite for limiting for, yeah, for now. So that, so that, yeah. Chat, or or yeah. even their, their playground stuff in the background. Now there's mm-hmm. a, there's a token limitation. They refer to it as a token. It's kind of unclear what that means, but you can think of it as like a word equivalent, right? Hmm. It's um, it's on average about four characters. It's like a chunk word, of, yeah. a, of yeah. a word or a sentence. Yeah, yeah and so I, I even like – when I was playing with it, I just grabbed it like a – I just like select all, copy-pasted a huge chunk of uh, code out of Crashlands 2. But yeah. it was like from one script, right? And it was like significant, sure, but it was like a couple hundred lines or something, but still not – an enormous Crazy. amount. And then it was just like, I was like five times beyond the limit of what I could yeah. actually feed into one go, you know? So, so that kind of the, the, I think the core limitation right now for this kind of a, for data processing is that none of the models, I said, where like, open AI is the only one with like this quality of models right now. And none of them are actually designed for like large scale data processing. Oh, so yeah, you still have to have an intro. Fire. Yeah. So you still have to have like a, there still has to be some kind of initial uh, parsing that break, you have to break it apart. Yeah, where you have to figure out a way where you can reliably. So if you're talking like the game maker docs, right? It's I don't know, probably a thousand web pages of documentation yeah. collectively, right? There's, so there's a ton of pages out there. Getting a hold of all of them, there's all kinds of ways you could do. It's not that big of a deal. But now you just have it as like HTML, right? Mm-hmm. And so now how do you get? How do you? Well, yeah, how yeah, do you, you get? Because like, every single page is too big to go in by itself, right? Yeah. Then you have to write a parser that'll like break each page apart reliably into complete enough sort of subsections that you can still feed it in a useful output out. So right. I think so again, so we're still at this, we're still at this intermediate stage where like you can see that if you would still save a, a shit ton of time, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, if you're trying to put uh, together a language server or something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and actually just the idea of even putting together a language server so that we could, you know, like use a different IDE for game maker, right? N- completely out of the question in the past. Yep. And now yeah. it's something that we can actually talk about and be like, you know, I was playing with it over the weekend actually. Just, just, oh, yeah. So I already got syntax highlighting working. I, I literally <laughs> just stole stole TypeScript syntax highlighting because again, I was like, it's like game maker is so similar to JavaScript that if I just Deal. Just start with that. Just That's start it. with that, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. and then I like, and then I just I added some things to make up for some of the differences, right? But it meant that out of the gate, I already just like that already was basically fine, right? And then I started reading through the docs for like what I would need to to add these like hover providers and other kinds of stuff. And it's actually just not that big of a deal. And the big of a like the big deal part is just getting the data. So that's the part I haven't tackled yet. But as we but I got excited about it because we were talking about like, actually, this might be just more approachable. But I think this is kind of the fun thing is like I've spent – again, I've spent so much time dealing with like converting data from one format to another. And I hadn't thought about – like when I was looking at all this opening yeah. eye and chat GPT stuff, um, it's all being presented as 
actually largely as like a generative system, which I think actually is the least valuable, at least for the critteration of things. Like it's not, that's actually not the value proposition that they provide. What they actually provide is is summarization of existing data and convert, which actually what they really provide is conversion, right? Mm -hmm. Of one set of data into another. And sure, it can it can also kind of go beyond the data it's given in various kinds of ways, but that's where the value starts to go away, right? Because what it's really good at is like converting one pattern into another pattern, whether it's mm -hmm. a lot of things into a summary or an example into more examples, you know, whatever. Or English, so, into code, English into code, or a badly written uh, letter into a well-written letter. Yeah. So, so <laughs> a lot right, of kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the kind of stuff that I find myself doing, like on the daily, even, is just like little things where it's like, oh, I have a, I have a long list of things I pulled like out of a database response or something, and I just need to convert it into like an array that I can just plop into JavaScript code or something, right? And, and I have like I have a process for doing this stuff now in my code course, editor yeah. where it doesn't take very long. It's just like write a few regexes, do a few like vertical selects to, you know, copy and cut things or whatever. Mm. And it's not a big deal, but some of them are still a little hairy, you know, and, and it'll take five or 10 minutes. Um, it's also, a medium deal. It's but, a big deal if you're not like where you are already. Yeah, exactly. And it would have been yeah, like, if, an, and if I didn't have all those techniques, then these things would have taken like half an hour to an hour, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But now with something like the, cap the capacity of current models of ChatGPT, I could literally just paste the thing in there and say, hey, give me this and as a JavaScript array, right? And it would probably just do it. Like, I'm right sure out of it would. Because these are actually simple pattern problems. It's just yeah. because of scale, they become labor intensive unless you have tricks at your disposal to basically use tools that are really good at patterns, which is what regex is, right? But regex, you have to specify mm -hmm. exactly correctly what the pattern is. And if you can feed it something say. else, that can just do it. Then. I also used a regex AI. <laughs> it's like the Google Sheets one yeah. to yeah. get the thing. And then it, part of it is you know, having some, some regex that are the thing I need to actually try to be a little bit different. So I found there's a regex AI tool thing. You just type in in English what you're trying to get, and then mm -hmm. it gives you that. <laughs> They were yeah, seen, and I, I saw I one earlier that was gave a lot of definitely wrong outputs, but maybe there's some better versions now. It might be um, the same one. Who, who knows? It might have been my, my thing yeah. simple enough or something, but uh, they work great. Because yeah, I, I yeah. know of it. I know I know of it. I can do it, but it's very – I touch it once every year basically, you know, at this yeah. point. And it takes 30 minutes to be like, give me all of the – yeah, give me all of the particular notes out of the section, right, as opposed to just being like, just give me the damn – just give it. I can see it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah so, so, I mean, what's what's cool about all this stuff is that is that we've talked in the past about the idea of like of waste via the, yes. the DevOps lens of of motion being a really big one. Motion is this idea of like you've got something over here and somebody else needs it, right? And whether that's like you're not sure what to do, so you've got to email somebody on the team and ask them what you should be doing next, right? Like you got to send that message, they've got to figure it out, and they've got to send you stuff back, right? Well, a big kind of motion that we always have to deal with is, th is this problem of taking data or information from one place and turning it into a format that, that can be used somewhere else or for some other purpose or that can be interrogated in certain ways, right? Mm -hmm. And it just seems like, yeah, the, even at this early stage – for, for these these AI tools, uh, their capacity to convert things it's great. Is, is, is honestly crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to speed up a lot of things for a lot of people. And it's going to also open up new opportunities, like what we're talking about, 
the idea that we can th- actually even think about writing our own language server for VS Code mm-hmm. would have been an incredibly labor-intensive and error-prone process. No longer is necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially. Uh, yep. Yeah. And so uh, I think that also just kind of speaks to how fast these things will accelerate, right? Because, of yes, course, yeah. like the people making these tools also use the tools, right? <laughs> so, so if – if the people who are working on developing the next generation of these AIs and stuff, they have the same kinds of problems that we have when it comes to software engineering and stuff, right? And they can use their own tools to improve their their tools. Uh, so things are going to be moving real real fast, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. We're I think whenever we get to the point where we start having the ability to just to dump larger amounts of data into these systems, I think that's yeah. when it's going to really take off because sure. the, the, the fact that because like. I find myself just all the time being like, oh, I need this like JSON file as YAML for some reason, or which are just two different formats of the exact same kind of data, right? Uh, but just different ways of writing it. And every time I do, I'm like, oh, fuck. And so I either have to like Google an online like converter. Converter, right? yeah. Uh, or, and then like in there, I'm like now trying to find like, because it's like various websites that suck, you know? <laughs> and so trying to find one that actually does it, or it's like using a command line tool to try to convert really mm-hmm. fast or something, right? But if I just always have, and, and if I could just always have basically like an open AI window open, yeah, we just paste it in. That can just be like convert this, right? But the problem is like a lot of those files I need to convert are too big, so big. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't just can't dump quite them do it in. just yet. Yeah, yeah, I did have one kind of hilarious experience where Sam sent me something in text, but the but when he sent it through Discord, the formatting was all weird. Like it kind of like like oh, yeah. bullet points. I think it's your recipe. I think it's your recipe. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I was like, what if, I wonder how smart this thing is. So I pasted it in, I pasted this broken, messed up recipe into ChatGPT. And all I said was fix this. And I didn't say what was wrong with it. I didn't say that I had a problem with the formatting and it somehow figured out that what I meant was I can't read this shit. Right. So it actually, it preserved all of the text exactly as it was, but it just reformatted it so that it was human readable. Right. Mm-hmm. So the idea that I can, <laughs> that I can be so dumb to just throw text in there and go fix this. It's <laughs> it's wrong and bad, right? No, I mean, and this, that, it's literally that's that's been the whole dream in like the sci-fi sense. With you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's been the thing for so long. I was like, what if you get to a point where you could just ask a computer for something or yeah, feed it your half-formed garbage and it can somehow turn it into something usable? And it's like you're just right. You're just there. It's so yeah. weird. Yeah, and this is this is like in, in Star Trek or you know in these futuristic things they'll they'll go to some uh, device and they'll be like, they'll be like I want like a like a steak dinner and I'll just be like it'll just kind of like manifest it, um, which I feel like this is this is that for code and for uh, for just like digital you know data Text, right. Yeah. So you'd be like, I just I want this, and it you know, and it's still dumb, and it's still early. So sometimes it gives you instead of a steak, it'll give you like just you know a fully formed cow or something. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this is the this is the trajectory, which is very cool. Uh, all right, well I think we got to wrap this episode here, and then for the next episode we'll be talking a little bit about crashes too, and then we'll just be getting into uh, questions. So. Uh, thank you all for listening. I uh, would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa Costa for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the community, you can just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.